What's up, good people? We're going to look at the tight end position in the draft, mention why Calais Campbell actually went to Atlanta, and then talk about players that could help this team the most in the draft. We'll do it just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you and welcome to another edition of Locked On Jaguars. I am your host, Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. A quick note that you can subscribe for free to our Locked On Jaguars YouTube page and then check wherever you get your podcast daily audio wise and make sure you don't miss an episode of Locked On Jaguars. I want to talk about some tight ends, man, because I went into this, this entire process thinking that because that was a deep, deep part of this year's draft, that it would be the focal point of this year's draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I might have to admit that I was wrong, so we'll get into that in segment one. Segment two, talk about Calais Campbell and maybe other veterans. Uh, Calais Campbell uh, chose the Atlanta Falcons. We now know what the reasons were. Sounds like it was money. And uh, talk about whether or not that affects the possibility of other veterans joining the Jaguars. And then who helps the Jaguars the most, regardless of position, who will actually change this team and the dynamic of this team for the better, right? We already know about Calvin Ridley doing that, but who could they draft the one player in this draft that just, in my opinion, would make them absolutely better? I'm going to make sure that that player is within a reasonable range of where the Jaguars are picking. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to get Will Anderson because they're not going to get Will Anderson, but that's the show for today. So let's just go ahead and kick it off and start it off. This is why I'm saying I'm wrong about the tight end position because with them franchise tagging Evan Ingram and trying to work a long-term deal out with him, but right now with him counting $11 million against their salary cap, that means that they think they found their guy who can be that move tight end, right? They probably like Will Ferrell a whole lot more than that. I think, uh, in my opinion, there wasn't a big difference between Will Ferrell, uh, Chris Manhurts, and um, the kid they got from Carolina, uh, Dan Arnold. I, I don't think that there's a big difference in those guys. And the, and the young kid Farrell is on a rookie contract. But the main thing I wanted to really focus on was the tight ends that I thought the Jaguars would be interested in are guys that I think are going to be picked in the first or the second round. So that's pick 24 or pick 56. I think it's off the table in the first round because of Evan Ingram and the nature of his tag and the position that they're going to be in because of that. And remember, we always talk about how, how money is allocated, how you move money around by, by positions. I honestly don't think they're going to do that. If you go back, you'll remember – I had a big, uh, I had a thumbnail with Luke uh, Musgrave on it because he was one of my favorite players in his draft and still is. But I, I don't think that with the Jaguars tagging a guy who does have the same, pretty much the same skill set, also, uh, although Musgrave is bigger, that that's the direction that they're going to go in. But man, I expect this tight end class, I expect a lot of these guys to come in right away 
and play well. Now, it doesn't mean that the Jaguars won't look in that direction. Any team that's run by an Andy Reid disciple or somebody that's running the West Coast offense, they're always going to be willing and, and wanting to add a tight end. Trip Balky's done this before, if I'm not mistaken, in the exact same draft that he picked um, Vernon Davis. I think that's also the same draft that he picked Delaney Walker. If not, it was pretty close to it. And they also picked Vance McDonald. So Balky is someone who is used to being on personnel staffs that invest some quality, quality dollars and some real good uh, quality into the uh, the tight end position. So we'll just have to see if the tight end position is something that they address. I'll tell you what, we're going to review them anyway and look up. Who would be, with Evan Ingram actually being retained, the person that I think would make the most sense for them is Michael Mayer. Now, I'm not a, a huge fan of of him myself, but he's the guy that's probably the most complete in terms of blocker, gives you a guy that looks a little different. I saw how Rose been talking about what your room looks like. You need a center, you need a power forward, you need all of this at one position group. I think Luke Musgrave and Dalton Kincaid are redundant when it comes to Evan Ingram. And I'm not saying it's apples to apples, but I'm talking about what their effect on the game could be and whether or not it makes sense to have somebody you're franchising trying to get a long-term deal done with and to use a first-round pick on that same position. I don't think that they're in uh, 11 personnel that much to be able to do that. So um, I really, really, really think – it would be too much. It really be too much going into one area for them to do that. So, Mayor from Notre Dame makes the most sense. Laporta from Iowa is a little bit more of a combination guy. I like Don Kincaid, but I wouldn't even. I ain't gonna lie to you. Anybody neck injuries. Neck injuries are, are something that scares me off. So with Dalton Kincaid, I wouldn't say he was off my board if I was them, but i tell you what I would do. I'd wait and I'd pick somebody else. I wouldn't take a guy with a bad neck. Luke Musgrave is coming off of an ACL, but he is at least before the draft able to show you exactly what it is he can do, exactly what it is that you know he's capable of because he's been running and he tested out pretty well. But – that's why this whole thing, if you hear me hesitating, this whole thing with Evan Ingram had me a little bit perplexed because I had to actually do some downshifting. I had the Jaguars taking a tight end in one of these first two rounds. I absolutely did. I even in one mock draft had the Jaguars moving back and taking Luke Musgrave at the top of the second round and getting some extra ammunition. Right now, if I had to guess... So I'm going to hold that to segment three because this that's going to really tie in to what I want to talk to. But in segment three, I'm going to tell you, if I had to guess, I'm going to prioritize positions. Now, this means absolutely nothing because prioritizing positions based on need does not mean that that's who I think they should take. 
just prioritizing positions by need is just something that I want to do mechanically in my own mind to say, okay, well, if we got two players at the board and we have them ranked dead the same, then you take a look at need and then you draft the one where your need is a bigger priority, but not the other way around. You're not going to draft a guy because of need if there's another guy on the board that's a better player than he is. I hope everyone understands. Papish, everything is good. Now we can get to it. I'm going to tell you about everything in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. I thought I'd let you know that today's sponsor is Built Bar. And Built Bar March Madness is taking place and it is off the chain. The March Madness bracket, the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar puff, and now it's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You'll know I'll be voting for Churro Puff. You got you guys know how you love the salt caramel. That's all you talk about. But we want you to vote, Jaguar fans. We want you to vote for your favorite bar. And when you vote for your favorite bar puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. That is so delicious. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try built built is the best protein bar ever. And it's so amazingly good because it's covered with 100% real chocolate run the built bar March madness right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box where you are whenever you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. All right, man, we're rolling along here on Lockdown Jaguars on a glorious, beautiful day here in North Florida. I'm not going to tell y'all it's March and it's 85 degrees outside. I think I just told you, but it's March and it's 85 degrees outside. So everything is good here in Duval County. Um, Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, as you know, was a player who came in and visited Jacksonville. He's a, a legend, even though he only played in Jacksonville for three years. Well, he did not sign with Calais. Uh, well, he did not sign with Jacksonville. Signed with Atlanta. And early this week, I wonder why. Was it because of money? And I say, I don't think that's what it is. I just maybe wants to live in Atlanta. And by the way, shout out to the dude that, told, that said I was just making up narratives when I was talking about Calais. Oh, no, I was asking questions about, I wonder why he chose somewhere else over Jacksonville. It turns out more than likely it was about money because it was a $7 million deal uh, for one year. That could be uh, as much as $9 million. Like, if you ask me what somebody should have offered, I said four and a half to five million with the chance to make six and a half to seven million. The fact that he got seven million straight up, up front, right away with a chance to make an extra two million dollars. I see why he chose to go to Atlanta. I don't think Jacksonville was anywhere close to that. And I'm not mad at him for being close to it. Once again, it falls right back into the category of. How can you, in a year where I want to say they're, they're cash strapped, not, they're not really cash strapped, they're cap strapped, but you can fix that a little bit. You can't justify extending someone and fixing the cap to sign a 37-year-old guy for 7 or $9 million. You just can't do it. And I get it, and I understand. What did they think he was going to be worth, though? I mean, did they even come close? I'm hearing rumors today 
of someone saying that Calais Campbell uh, possibly knew the day he left the building. This is from a reliable source that the day Calais walked out of the building, he knew he wasn't going to take that offer. Um, and that's fine too. It just reminds me of what I heard about Matthew Judon. And I'm not, this didn't come from Judon. This is just, this is strictly rumor. And this is somebody telling me what they think. Somebody told me they thought the Jaguars lowballed Matthew Judon back in the day. And I don't want to sit here and say this team would be different. But you need pass rush, and Matthew Judon would definitely have his team looking different, right? And that would not have been last year. That would have been that wouldn't have been the Trayvon year. That would have been the year before, which would have alleviated the need to draft a rush in. And oh, I don't know. I don't think they're not a I don't think they're they're out of the top four uh with Matthew Judon, the way Urban had that thing going. I just got to do this. Like, I love Trayvon Walker, right? But I just got to do this. If they sign Matthew Judon a couple of years ago and they don't need an edge rusher and they draft Sauce Walker or, or Sauce Gardner, what does the team look like right now? So the reason why I bring this up, and we can cherry pick all day, because cornerback was going to be a need, right? Right. So I only bring that up is because one little thing I don't mind. And because the Jaguars actually did pursue um, Matthew Judon from everything I've been told, the reason why I bring it up is because of what if they'd have got him? Then they would have ended up drafting another position, and the other position is corner. So we're going to prioritize these positions in the next segment. But I just wonder what this team looks like. Those are two moves. So when folks think that, it's bad to cherry pick and go look backwards and say, well, what did they took taking this guy? And like, wig, you can do that all day. That doesn't make sense to do that. No, I'm just saying I'm, it's not these, these individual moves while they don't make or break whether or not the Jaguars are going to be good or not, or whether they're going to be great. When you add them up, just like your fingers, right? You don't have a hand until you got four fingers and a thumb. So somebody, you know, makes one of you cut the tendon in your pinky and it's not, usable you guys side i got three other fingers well they keep cutting tendons in all your fingers and pretty much you'll never be able to have a hand you can't ball up a fist which means you can't fight this is the same thing go if, you, if you've been a follower of this podcast for a long time i'm only going to go back and remind folks of something that i actually brought up and i said back in the day and one of those things was this i want a dynasty i want them to get everything right or as close to it so that's why I bring up these little things is because they did it with Christian Kirk when everybody and their brother thought Christian Kirk got overpaid. It worked out, right? So that's something that did work out in the Jaguars' favor. Later, we're going to see if the Jawan Taylor decision is going to work out in their favor. I certainly hope so because people people have been getting mad at me about that for for a couple of weeks now, but we'll just have to see whether that works. But I just don't like the team getting involved with these free agents. And it's, and it's guys that you think they have an advantage. Like the year, like with Calais, the advantage was the history with Judon. It was the fact that they had more salary cap space than anybody. And they needed an edge rusher. So it's that kind of stuff. And he was like 26, then 26, 27. It wasn't even that old. It's just like, 
I'll only say this about people that they could have picked or people who they were interested in, who they decided not, who they decided they didn't want. Like whatever the extra money it was that would have taken to get Judon, I, I really wish they just wouldn't have spent it on Shaq Griffin. See how that works? That's how it works. So, you know, hopefully in the future, here in the near future, the Jaguars won't have these same issues because if they don't get who they want or they don't get substantial help in the draft when it comes to the edge position, they're going to have to go into the secondary market. They got to get a veteran. And when you go to those guys, you got to come clean. I keep hearing people mention Frank Clark. Frank Clark just stopped playing on a $100 million contract, and he was all over the quarterbacks in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Do you honestly think Frank Clark is going to take a bargain deal? Frank Clark is going to want the kind of money that a guy wants when he starts. And if he wants to start, who are you going to put on the bench? Your number one pick from last year? The guy you have a fifth-year option on right now? It doesn't even make sense to have those conversations about guys like that. Yannick, if they allow it, you think Yannick Ngakwe is going to come back here and, and play for peanuts? No. I'm shaking my head no in case you're not watching this on YouTube. Do you honestly believe that Justin Houston, who wants one more bite at the apple or all of these guys? I think the best option is Zadarius Smith. And even Zadarius is probably going to want a little redoing some money or wants to start. So I just think it's going to be very, very tough. It's going to be real tough, but how tough? We're going to prioritize these positions. And I'm going to let you know what positions I prioritize in the draft since tight end is no longer one of them and edge rusher is definitely going to be somewhere near the top. We'll do that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars after I tell you about our sponsor, who's FanDuel. FanDuel is the absolute truth, man. I've been dealing with FanDuel for a long time, and now we've partnered with them here with Locked On, and FanDuel is America's number one sports book. This is the best time for you to jump all over FanDuel, and that's because FanDuel right now is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. Now, this Final Four is an unlikely group, so the chances that you're going to be able to figure it out and win some good Skrilla is pretty, pretty high because there's no favorite that everybody – I think people might be picking UConn, but you can find out if you go to FanDuel. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel.com. All right, third final segment here. We're getting going with Locked On Jaguars. I got to let you know that we appreciate you making us your first listen. Your second listen every day should be Locked On NFL Scouting. Why? Because no one does scouting the way the draft dudes do. And that is my man Joe Marino along with Kyle Krabs, man. You won't get it that comprehensive anywhere else. So make sure you tap in to the draft dudes, which is part of the locked on podcast network every day here on locked on on the locked on podcast network or wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's prioritize some positions as we close out segment three and close out today's show. 
Um, for me, without knowing who the players are, I think the Jaguars need to address the offensive line, whether that be a left guard, Osiris Torrance, or a right tackle, Darnell Wright, or whoever might be there. To me, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. The number one priority is to make sure number 16 is upright as much as possible and he's not running for his life and that he's able to stand in the pocket and use that beautiful arm and throw passes and he's not hurt and not injured. We don't want that. Did I actually say the I word? I don't use that on this podcast, but that's where I'm at with that. The second priority is one that I would align with the Jaguars and say it is edge rusher um, or pass rush, whether they're able to get that from the interior and outside, just find somebody William Floyd is another person that I say William Floyd again. I'm talking about Floyd who played at Georgia and who was in Chicago. I'm thinking about William Floyd because recently I think I met William Floyd's daughter who is in uh, involved in sports journalism too. And bar none is always around Jacksonville. Uh, but no, it's, um, I do believe that pass rusher, I'm going to align myself with Doug Marone and say that's the number one priority for the team to improve. Next is corner. We just did a scenario where the pass rush wasn't needed because they would have got Matt Judon, and I thought about Sauce Gardner. They need a corner, and my favorite of the corners that may be around when they pick is Deontay Banks. I like Julius Brents a little bit too, but I like Banks because I think Banks can play in the slot until it's his time to go outside. The next priority, in my opinion, would be to address the offensive line again because I think a year from now, somebody's going to probably be leaving. And then two years from now, you'll have to make a decision. I'm all about that offensive line being addressed on multiple times before round four. I think it's a real good, uh, it's a real good year to do that. And when I think about the teams that win, they address uh, the offensive line and they make sure you see as a theme here. I don't want Trevor getting hurt. Right. After that, someone who's strictly a slot corner would be the next priority. And then the tight end position, only because it is so um, it's so plentiful in this draft. I would like to also see them get a, a high point wide receiver, a guy with a little bit more size to round out their room, and they could probably um, see maybe round four, round five, or if they move back and get extra capital load up in that area. All right, man. So there you go. We talked about uh, Calais Campbell and why he possibly signed with Atlanta, or more likely signed with Atlanta because the money. The money was just the money in Atlanta. We talked about prioritizing positions. And we talked about the fact that in, in segment one, that the Jaguars are probably not as needing or wanting a tight end as much as I said they I thought they would because it's a very, very deep position in the draft. Make sure you take care of each other. Have a very nice weekend on Locked On Jaguars, and we'll see you next time.